This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com It's when the time. Hello, Ryan. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, everyone. And um, yeah, I think this is probably the biggest presser of the season so far, isn't it? With, with Rovers coming up. It's a derby. Hooray! Um, and I don't count the Forest Green one. I mean, I guess we'll talk about Forest Green with some levels of excitement next week, but this is a real one. It's not the one. It's not the derby. It's probably third or fourth in most people's uh, preferences when you consider Oxford, Bristol City, Reading um, and the rest. But it's just nice to have a little bit of a uh, a grudge match, isn't it? it is, well, it's the derby this season, isn't it? Um, unless we go on some miraculous cup run and end up with one of those teams like you just mentioned there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity. Swindon fans are going to be travelling in, in their numbers and I'm sure it's going to be a be as much as entertaining on the pitch as it is off the pitch. <laughs> well, I ain't got no quarrel with Bristol Rovers. Um, I, I, on match day, I like to beat them, but... I, I, I'm not too bothered, but I do consider it a derby of sorts, but it's just not high in my order of preference. That's fair enough. I think it's, I think it's a rivalry that, you know, you know, we have, cause it's a, it's a local team. It's not the Bristol city, like you said, but because they're in this division and it's kind of the only rival we can latch onto this season, um, then it, it kind of blows it up into this even bigger match, doesn't it? So it really does, you know, the fact that the two teams are in similar league positions, you know, only three points separate them kind of adds to that and also I think the fact that it's this first season back with fans again after last year whereby we couldn't have any so 
you know, it's going to be a, a lively affair to say the least. Yeah, in my mind, we have poor form at the Memorial, but I keep forgetting that we won there last season with nobody in the ground, um, <laughs> which is, you know, which I guess is understandable, isn't it? But yeah, here we are, Bristol Rovers. It's going to rain a lot on Saturday. I, I can't stop thinking or talking about that. I mean, the weather forecast is brutal. You're in London. You're lucky. You're not covering this game. But, <laughs> but I'll be in that open terrace. Strong, strong vengeance from Mother Nature for what happened in about 2017 or whenever it was when the uh, game was rained off. Um, yeah, I, I really can't stop thinking about the weather. I live in Bristol and I just know that whatever A to B I, I do to get to the memorial, I'm going to get absolutely drenched. I'm furious about it. <laughs> well, it, it is a precarious stadium to say the least isn't it you know um it doesn't doesn't provide much wind cover much rain cover much any cover to be to be quite uh frank about it um so i think i but i do th- feel that you know the rain kind of adds to the atmosphere you're wrong you're wrong I, i'm wrong am i i'm wrong now nah, <laughs> it adds to the atmosphere i think you know you, you're sat there you got your rain you've you've had you've had about four or five kind of warm stellars to warm you up previous to the match that have gone flat uh, and you're raring to go. So, you know, it, it'll add to the, it'll add to the occasion. Don't you worry. Just, just wear your parkers and um, hold on and enjoy the ride. Just feeling like I'm getting a real insight into the world of Ryan Walker right now. Uh... <laughs> the world of me when I'm not reporting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a little bit of rain is fine. Um, can add to the atmosphere, but it looks like it's going to be ninety minutes of. Uh, oh, never mind. Anyway, we'll well, it on. should be interesting actually on the pitch as well on that front because we know Ooh. that the Rovers' pitch doesn't always hold up the best in in some circumstances. So I wonder how you know this game will play out if there's a lot of rain. You know, it it really. I don't think Swindon will be able to play the side of football they always want, and you know we could end up with a game that's very kind of direct. And long balls almost. Mm, so you're really selling this to me, Ryan. <laughs> Just doing my job. <laughs> One thing that you mentioned there uh, was the form guide, really, that they're only three points behind Swindon, but it, it feels like we've had an all right season. And it feels like every time you look up their score, they're struggling and they get the occasional result and then lose a couple. Isn't it funny how football works narrative wise? Just three points between them just doesn't seem right. It's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, Bristol Rovers only got their their first away win of the season the other day um, against Walsall, and that was their first away win in ten months. Um, you know, so it, it 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 when you look at kind of stats like that, and you look at how this season's gone, and everyone's kind of been saying how bad a job Joey Barton's been doing there this season, and and kind of you know, Swindon fans have loved it. But when we look at the table, like you said, there's only three points to separate these two teams, Swindon in ninth, Bristol Rovers on 18th, which kind of shows how close this league is. You know, you can you can jump down a series of places with just with just one poor result or one or one big win. Um, so you know, it, it is it is strange. I think Swindon's sticking point in the season has been the draws. You know, we we've had four draws. Uh, Bristol Rovers only had one, but at the same time, Bristol Bristol Rovers have also won the same amount of games as us. So you know, it's. It's it's one of those that Swindon need to start turning those draws in into victories. Okay, let's talk about the press conference with Ben Garner, which took place on Friday morning. In attendance was yourself, uh, also Johnny Leefield of the Swindon Advertiser, Sean Hodgetts 
of BBC Radio Wiltshire and some other person who was covering Bristol Rovers. <laughs> some other person. He was. Um, I feel like he was working prior to be or, or some bigger outlet down there. But you know, for the for the life of me, I can't remember his name. So apologies there if you're listening. It'd be remarkable if they were listening. <laughs> it would. I mean, I don't think I'd. I don't think they'd be most pleased with me. Uh, <laughs> they asked the, their questions and their name was even on screen. Um, but you know, when you, you when you're typing and talking and kind of look, check if you look like you've just woken up or not, um, you know, you, you can kind of be forgiven for, for forgetting some names. Bless you. Okay, the you know, usually we talk about Baudry. We normally talk about Jordan Lydon when it comes to the availability of players. Baudry was on the bench for the draw against Colchester United. There have been a few other absences as well in Anthony Grant and Harry McCurdy. But we'll start with Jordan Lydon, who seems to have had the longest six weeks absence known to man. He does, doesn't he? He's 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 kind of been recovering and, and training for what seems like forever now. Um, but great to say that, as Ben Garner told us, that you know Swindon Town have no current injuries at this moment in time. Everyone is available. Everyone's been trained this week. Harry McCurdy has had a full week's training as well. Um, Anthony Grant. You know, some people were surprised to see him left out of that Colchester game. There was a couple of questions as to why, but it was simply that he just he just needed a little bit more time to get his fitness up after that period of isolation. Jordan Lydon's improving constantly, um, is what we've been told. And fortunately as well, as Johnny Williams has fulfilled the concussion protocols that he had to go for after being hit by a ball at the end of the training session last Friday before that Colchester game. It was actually interesting to hear that under these concussion protocols, Johnny Williams has only actually been able to take part in full contact training yesterday and today. So, you know, whether he'll be a starter is yet to be seen, but that was quite interesting to know. But of course, the great news is that the treatment room's free. Who did it? Who kicked the ball at his head? I need to know. <laughs> you know, it's one of those, you can almost envisage it in your mind, can't you? How it's looking, you know, some centre-backs taking a rash shot, <laughs> fancying themselves as a striker, and it's just, it's just sliced it and hit Johnny Williams in the back of the head, but... <laughs> we're none the wiser but it's great to see that he's back and available and of course he's a he's available for the international duty as well Lydon aside didn't he didn't Garner say last week that we were looking good fitness wise or did he highlight people like McCurdy obviously I didn't uh listen to the, the presser last week he kind of gave an insight into the fact that Harry McCurdy probably wouldn't be available okay. just because he'd only had a couple of days training um Anthony Grant had being back training, but again, you got that feeling that he wasn't going to feature. But you know, as of now, there's there's no injury whatsoever, and I can't actually recall the last time that Swindon Town had a had a treatment room whereby there was no one sitting there, well, getting treated. There was no one injured. Lovely. Let's let's talk about international call ups while we're here, and we'll we'll put aside the Sky issue um, for a few minutes, uh, because that is a, that is a separate conversation. So as, as it stands, we know that Jojo Wallacott has been called up for the Ghana and national side. It's still a provisional squad, so he could still technically get trimmed from that. I think, um, we know that Anthony Grant has been called up for the Jamaica side, but he will report to duty with Jamaica on the 8th of October. So that means he misses their game against the USA, which is on the same day. Um, We also know that Johnny Williams is in the Wales squad. And we're still not sure whether Gilbert has made the Republic of Ireland under-21 squad, if if indeed they have a game. And also, 
our Kess, Kessler Hayden, whether he has any England commitments. What, what's the word on, on the on the international call up front? What, what, what's Garner's sort of vibe towards it? Is he happy? He was saying all the right things that he was happy, but he kind of got that feeling that it, it is actually becoming a bit of a nuisance for, for Ben Garner. Of course, you know, he, he was delighted that his players have called up because it looks good on him and his management staff to the fact that how job how good a job they must be doing to have you know new players called up for international duty. The likes of Jojo Wallacott, this will be his first time with an international call-up. When he came into the club, he said that that was his aim at the start of the season, to get into this Garner fold. Um, also, you know, Anthony Grant's had in that, his international call-up. Kane Kessler-Hade has been called up for the first time to the England under-21 side. So, you know, he's very proud of the fact that his players have been able to do this whilst he's been the one coaching them and, and developing them as players. But you did sense a little bit of frustration. And I think we first kind of heard that frustration come out post-Colchester match the other day um, when he was speaking about Ansi Grant and how, you know, him having to isolate when he comes back in games. And he put, you know, first and foremost, he said, we pay his salary. And that was kind of your little warning shot, I felt, against how he feels on this. Of course, he's not going to come out and say, no, we don't want players called up. But um, you're starting to sense that this is becoming a little bit more of a kind of hindrance hindrance for him because of the amount of players that are being called up. And if you look at someone like Johnny Williams, I'm not sure the stats behind it, but it feels like Johnny Williams, by the end of the second international break, would have played more games for Wales this season than he will <laughs> Swindon Town. I, I see both sides of it. I mean, I'm of a generation, I suppose, that, do, that, that doesn't see... I still feel a lot of pride when I, when I read that Swindon Town players, old and new, get international call-ups. Um, but I also see the massive risk that that has to our, you know, season if if they're out for a prolonged period, especially as you know with Anthony Grant's case that they're playing three games at the moment; they're not playing two. Um, but on the flip side, uh, Johnny Williams was a Wales international before he, he signed for Swindon. Jojo Wallacott had aspirations to play for Ghana when he signed, as as highlighted. Kane Kessler Hayden. I'm sure he'd been on the uh, radar of England and, and Alex Gilbert had already been capped by Republic of Ireland under 21s. It's only Anthony Grant that picked up the phone and, you know, called Jamaica and said, hey, I could play for you guys if you want, um, if if that story is any, is, is accurate. Um, so they're, they're all, they all have international pedigree, essentially, is what I'm saying here. So when you were keen to sign them, it wasn't an issue. And now they're all getting call-ups. It is. That... That's the way of the world, isn't it? It is. It's, you know, I don't even think it's as much the cause up that are becoming the issue. I think with some players, it's becoming a fact of isolation periods when they come back from international duty. If we look at, you know, Anthony Grant, he had to isolate because he came back from a red country under these government coronavirus guidelines. If we look at Jojo Wallacott, this red list of countries has gotten a lot smaller, but even though he could go and play for Ghana and not have to isolate, if he goes to Zimbabwe, which is a second match in the capital, hurrah, then he will have to isolate for 10 days in the government-approved hotel, which then means Jojo Wallacott could miss a, a whole month of football. I am at the view of yourself that it's a very proud moment, and, and it's not even just one international, it's a series of internationals, and, and, and that's amazing. But at what stage do you sit back and think, you know what, 
this is starting to impact upon our season and you know this could mean at the end of the season if if you come back to a couple of games and we fall short of the playoffs by a few points would that be a point at which you say you know I wish these players hadn't gone on international duty it is interesting just to sorry finally note that Ben Garner has no and the club Ben Garner and Swindon they have no right to tell players not to go on international duty they are unable to do that because these matches are World Cup qualifiers if they weren't World Cup qualifiers and they were simply friendlies they could stop them going but my understanding is that because that is that is the case and it is a World Cup qualifier, they have to they have to be allowed to go if they're called up. Yeah, I'm not sure what the situation is with the with the youth um, internationals. I certainly remember many 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 years ago, Reese Evans rejecting England under 21, called up to focus on getting into the Swindon's side. What a guy! Um, I guess I guess what you're saying there, or what you implied there, this is more of a COVID issue than an international call up issue because. It's all fine, really, bar a game or two, unless you're going into, you know, the red zone. Yeah, it's um, that that is the issue. That is the issue, quite simply. I know that the EFL are currently speaking to clubs um, about kind of getting this isolation period move removed for professional players. Obviously, have have an exemption rule put in there, but at the moment, there's nothing that we're hearing on the ground surrounding that. So, like you said, it's for any players going to these red countries, such as Jojo Wallacott, who will have to go to Zimbabwe they will have to isolate and, and that could be four matches missed of, of league football, which is, of course, a massive blow for Swindon Town because of how good he's been this season so far. Yeah. OK, let's talk about uh, the game against Bristol Rovers then. So it's it's a bit spicy because there's a little rivalry in there. And it's also a little bit spicy because our manager used to manage them. So Ben Garner had a frankly awful uh, tenure at, at Bristol Rovers, which ended about 11 months ago. Um he since arrived at Swindon and he's he's so far so good. He's started to go a little bit better, well, much better than he did with Bristol Rovers. So obviously he's 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 going to be asked about the opposition more than, than usual. What did he have to say about Bristol Rovers? Well, first of all, what I would like to say is you are right. It was spicy and, and you could almost feel that in the press conference that, you know, Ben Garner's really up for this game and, and you know, they're up for every game, but there certainly is that edge to it. The fact that, He's got a personal vendetta to go and avenge and, and Swindon Town are playing in this rivalry. But on Bristol Rovers, Ben Garner was kind of speaking about how they are they have had an up and down season, which is what we what we were just talking about previously. That they have a big talented squad. I'm sure they'll be looking to improve on the start of the season that they had so far. But he also kind of went back to this narrative that we've seen so many times this season, is that he's just concentrating on us. We're not looking outside the four walls. The focus is squarely on our preparations and and as much as it is a derby, we got that kind of typical line that it, it's just another game for us in some ways. And and the fans will be there to add that extra edge to it. The fans will certainly give us that that extra bit of momentum, you know, to, you know, to go and put in that extra attack or get back and defend with that extra bit of effort. But it's really important from Ben Garner's approach that these players don't get too heavily invested in that because he said that's where that can then damage your performance. And and of course that's what he doesn't want. Yeah, I don't think we we played uh, Garner's Bristol Rovers last season. I think he was already gone by the time our first game against them was played out at Swindon. One nil win. A certain Brett Pittman yes. uh, played uh, scored in that game, and of course Chapain scored the only goal in the in the return game at the Memorial. So we we didn't get treated. It was Tisdale and 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 Mr. Joey Burton that we were treated to last time round. Um, what was Garner's opinions on the rivalry itself? Um, 
on the rivalry, you know, with with, with Bristol Rovers, he, he kind of spoke about how, you know, it's great to have the fans back. It's a big game because it is a derby game. He did he did highlight that fact, but it, it was very much the approach of, okay, you know, we, we know this is a big match. We've got, we're taking a big following. There's going to be an incredible atmosphere there because of the two sets of fans being back in the ground, a packed out ground for this first of, um, well, for the first derby game that, Swindon have played this season, but he really did just kind of want to get that point across that, like I said, it, it's a it's another it's another match. He wants that balance. He spoke about how there has to be that balance between, mm. you know, getting players g'd up for the match, but not overstepping the mark. He, his quote was, "We want fire in the heart, but ice in the veins." Our supporters have been fantastic in driving us on, but we have to show that on the pitch, and we have to challenge that passion, but in the right way. Because, like you said, if we, if we do get too heavily invested, then it'll damage performance. And and we've seen it so many times with with derbies over the years, whether it be in a televised match or a local um, kind of EFL game. You know, we we've seen that happen to teams whereby they've gone out, they're fired up, and of course you could you end up losing a match three 0 or something like that. Yeah, and in in terms of local football. These questions were inevitable to Ben Garner. This is good copy uh, for local press, isn't it? So the focus was a lot about him um, as the former manager of Bristol Rovers and the current manager of Swindon Town. Um, so he was asked about his spell at Bristol Rovers and you can only expect a diplomatic. Back in the day, he might have done a few obvious digs, but he was quite diplomatic, wasn't he? He was very diplomatic. He was very level-headed. We were all sat there waiting for the comment of, <laughs> you know... What like we hate Bristol or something like that, you know? I some some comment that would give us a headline to go and write about. Uh, but Ben Garner, he was very kind of chilled out about the whole vibe. And that's that's the vibe that Ben Garner gives in a lot of these press comments. He's chilled out. He, he spoke about how you know he, he fronted up to the fact that it didn't go as well as he would have liked, um, or anyone would have liked that was at the club, and that was down to a few different factors. He did talk about how he didn't waste energy on things outside his control. But the whole experience made him a better manager and a better person. Um, and the difference now at Swindon is that he he's coming to a club in in his eyes, whereby everyone from the owner down to the fans is aligned in having the same vision, with the same type of players they want, and the same style of football. And and that was a sticking point at Bristol Road, he said, because he had this massive change when he took over to to go and kind of change the style of play, uh, bring in new players, sell players to raise transfer fees, and and those things take time. And of course, he wasn't. He wasn't really given that time. One part that we were hoping for some bite back was uh, Joey Barton's comments about how Ben Garner is negligent. And, it, and if anyone hasn't read these comments, it was a, it was a while ago more than kind of when Garner, uh, sorry, when Joey Barton went into the club. And he, he said, whatever has gone before me has been negligent. If there were doctors, they would certainly be struck off for what's gone on here before, but we can't do anything about that. Um, at some point, these coaches will probably want me to, want to tell, take me to task on that and I'll have absolutely no issue in showing, showing them exactly what they got wrong and where they got it wrong and there'll be better coaches for it. Um, but the job that's been done before we got here is negligent and they've set these boys up for failure and we've got to try and reverse that trend. So very strong words from Joey Barton when he came into the club on Ben Garner, but Ben Garner simply turned around and said, I don't want to say anything on that. The focus for me is on performance. What I say now doesn't impact the game. So very level-headed, very level-headed against the a person that is probably the least level-headed manager in the game. The next question was about the atmosphere. Um, so something that cannot be denied um, this season as the away days have really created quite the atmosphere for Swindon Town players. Um, despite the rain, 
I, I expect that to be the same this weekend. Um, we, we, in my conversation with Rob Angus, the CEO, um, it, it was pretty much confirmed that the numbers uh, for the away games against Northampton and Bristol Rovers were reduced as a result of the minority causing problems at Stevenage, um, which is a great shame, but I'm more than sure the Swindon fans will create some noise this weekend. They certainly will. It's, uh, it's going to be such a, a great atmosphere with both sets of fans there, and I'm sure whoever kind of gets off to the better start and that first goal as it goes in, there's going to be a lot of chanting, a lot of raucous, uh, very raucous atmosphere, a lot of emotion coming out as well. But it is really important that both sets of fans, especially travelling fans, like you said there, we've had been reduced to a minority. We we They do behave themselves, all sets of fans. There's no kind of antic to ripping up chairs and throwing them out and and it just needs to be. It just needs to be a good, a good match because at the end of the day, although we like to have this rivalry, we we have to do it in the right way. Shall we listen to your? Shall we listen to your questions? It sounds great to me. A clear it, it kind of treatment room, I guess. So, so how hard is are these team selections getting for you and your staff now? Because you've got a plethora of talent there. Yeah, and that's what we want. You know, um, I, I want headaches. Um, I want a. You know, there's going to be three or four players not particularly happy with me, and that's that's the job. Um, the important thing we've made it clear from day one here in terms of the culture we want, the environment we want, that they support each other. Um, and I've got no problem with people being uh, angry at me or not happy with me for not picking them. Right. I want that. I want that disappointment, but I also want them supporting their teammates and the players that have got the shirt um, and pushing them to do well because that's how we will be successful together. And I don't want to focus on negative, but only one game since, well, the opening game of the season, more than one goal since then, there's only been kind of one goal from yourselves in each match um, where you've scored. What do you need to do to score more goals and why has that been the case, do you think? Uh, well, we scored two against Arsenal, so there's another yeah, game. Yeah, uh, league scored. game, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we, we're creating good opportunities and um, the, the processes of getting there are good. There's only three teams in the league that have had more shots than us at goal. Um, so we're getting there and we're creating the opportunities. Um, if you take last Saturday, every stat is heavily in our favour. Possession, shot, shots on target, corners, expected goals, final third entries, whatever stat you want to look at, we were very, very, very strong. The one that matters, we didn't, we didn't get right last Saturday. So it's, it's just a case of continuing with that process. Um, and we've built from the back forwards because you have to do that. We wanted a solid base to work from. And the way we play, you have to arrive in the final third. It's how we get the ball there, how we structured the team to do that. We're doing that really well now. Um, we just need to take those opportunities and be more clinical in that final third. Um, and we will do that. We will do that. And finally, just a quick comment kind of to the Forest Green match. You said that because it's a televised game, you'd have to fulfil that fixture. What's your view on that? Is that... Is that wrong in some ways because it's televised that you have to play it no matter what? That's the rules. You know, that's the that's the regulations. It, I don't think it matters too much what, what my opinion is, if I'm honest. That That's the rules. Um, I think the big thing with us, it's, it, it's a credit for the work that we're doing here as a club, that these players have been called up for their, for their countries and some of them have never been called up before. You know, so um, it's not like Johnny, who was an established international, who's, mm. um, who, who's always been you know called up for Wales. You know, Kane Kessler Hayden went away and had his, his first cap for England last window. Jojo Wallacott's now been now been called up. We spoke about that when we came in. We want to improve players. We want to develop players as well as improving the team. That was a big part of the remit coming in. 
Um, and I think it's a credit to all the staff and everyone here, the work that's gone on, and to the players for the effort they're putting in, that they're getting those call-ups and individual recognition. Brilliant. Thank you, Ben. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, then. So, first question you covered was on managing team selection. Um, it's very hard to predict a Ben Garner side. Um, it has been all season long. Well, it was very much from Ben Garner. The, the, the message he got across was that, you know, because we have this free treatment room at the moment with no injuries whatsoever, he, he's getting these selection headaches. And it's, it's especially in attacking areas where Ben Garner's having this because of, you know, the, the wingers and probably, you know, the the number nine or the false number nines that we have in at the club at the moment at the time. Um, he said, I want selection headaches. We'll be there for three or four. There'll be three or four players not particularly happy with me tomorrow. But although he said he's happy to have kind of players knocking on his door, not happy with him, he got across this kind of feeling that it's really important that although they can be angry at me, they need to still support their teammates because because that's how we'll be successful together. And, and I have to agree from him. He's got a very job, big job on his hands because not only are these kind of big, well, talented players, especially for this level, but there's also quite a few big personalities in there as well. Okay, next up was lack of goals. I've got to be honest, I was quite happy to see that you asked this question. I don't think it can be ignored for much longer. Of course, you know, if this means that I've uh, attempted fate and we're going to win 4-0, brilliant. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all for that. Fantastic. But I think we're averaging, what, a goal a game this season? Um, isn't the greatest. It's certainly not... It doesn't imply that we're going to kick on like we thought we were going to in August, um, but things can change. You know, we talk weekly, things can change by the week, but one thing that seems to be sticking at the moment is the lack of goals. Um, was there any concern in, on that front or is he quite relaxed? I feel like Ben Garner is, is becoming a little bit more concerned by this and frustrated by this. I mean, I put an article out the other day that I'm sure some listeners might have read about kind of how Ben Garner doesn't seem to be concerned by the lack of lack of goals in this time he, he, in this team sorry um and his 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 kind of analysis of it is he's very statistically kind of invested in in looking at how and why we're not scoring goals he, he as you heard they you know he spoke about we're creating good opportunities he did highlight that Colchester game the other day because it was a good example we did dominate you know Ben Garner went on a kind of little bit of a tangent there about possession shots corners shots on target expected goals final third entries um, entries, but there has to be some frustration creeping in because you can't keep doing all these good things up until the final third and then either putting in a loose cross or a shot that's blocked from 25 yards out or something like that. There, there has to be something that gives. And Swindon haven't scored more than one goal in the game since the opening game of the season against Scunthorpe. So there is a worry there because it's, it's almost getting to that stage now where I'm starting to feel that you know we're not sure how best to win games. Like I said, I hope we preempt it tomorrow, but there needs to be more goals. And of course, it'll be interesting to see if any action happens with a free agent possibly coming in or even as we get closer to the to, you know the second transfer window of the season. We're not historically prolific with the players that we've got either. So I'm not even sure that there's much we can do tactically with the, with the side that we've got at the moment. It's, it's, it's a low scoring squad, isn't it? There's a lot of talented attacking players in this squad, what I would say. You know, there's a lot of players that do really well to create chances. But if you look at the team that we have, the only striker out and out striker is Tyree Simpson. And for a young lad who is just kind of finding his feet in senior football, it's just a lot of pressure to be putting on him. And and I feel that, you know, either we're going to get to this stage whereby Ben Garner has to go for a two up top type of system where they play someone off 
Tyree Simpson, or they even try a try a tactic of even going with a false number nine, um, and maybe putting Simpson on the bench. That being said, he has he, he has scored a few goals recently, but yeah, we we've not got any players in there that you know you feel can go and score 10, 15 goals this season, and that is a worry. Okay, then. So, what's your eleven for the game against Bristol Rovers? So, my eleven, I'm going to go for with a with a fit team. Um, I'm actually going to go quite a similar setup with with three at the back to what we had uh, against Colchester. I'm going to go Jojo Wallacott, Akinola Mayo, Dion Conroy, and Romney Critchlow, um, Ellis Dolo and Kane Kessler Hayden. In the midfield, I'm going to go to Anthony Grant to get his recall, alongside Louis Reed. And we'll then be going for. It's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Um, I, you know, I don't know. It could be any front three. We could stick with. I'm going to stick with a front three of Alex Gilbert, Tyree Simpson, and possibly Johnny Williams with Jack Payne moving to the bench. And who do you think will be responsible for keeping Brett Pittman at bay? Well, the whole team. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to score, isn't he? He Come is. On, he's going to score. Look, he did it against um, Rovers for us when when he was here last season, and I'm sure he's now going to going to want to do it do it against us. I think I think I would have preferred Leon Clark scoring against Swindon more than Brett Pittman scoring against Swindon. <laughs> but Leon Clark is is injured. I think Leon Clark has scored against Swindon since. Um, don't quote me on that, but. Um, yeah, uh, Bristol Rovers side, lots of known players, as as tends to be the way. But one thing I've seen a lot of Swindon fans talk about is the fact that, well, we beat them twice in our worst season. You know, statistically, one of our worst ever seasons. But this is a whole new side um, that Joey Barton's put together. A lot using his uh, his contacts in the northwest. But um, I, I, I have no idea. I, I really, really didn't like the fact that they they beaten Walsall the week before because you know there's always that threat of galvanizing and um, creating some momentum but we'll see we'll, we'll, you know I'll, I'll take a draw what are you going for I'm gonna go for a actually quite a convincing win I I, I feel this Ooh. this could be a good win for Swindon Town I'm going to go 3-1 Swindon look at you okay then fine okay well before we go to Ollie Bristol Rovers fan from Gascast um, let's talk about the game against um, let's talk about the game next week against Forest Green Rovers obviously we're going to do a presser for that but something that emerged and it had been sort of uh, discussed by fans is that the game has to go on um, so regardless of our international call-ups we have to honour this game against Sky because rules are rules I wasn't aware of this rule and it frankly seems ridiculous I was not aware of this rule I do know it is it's one of those things that we I wanted to put to Ben Garner um, because we had the comments on social media when we put an article about Jojo Wallacott being called up to the Ghana t- national side. There are a lot of fans saying, oh, it's OK, we'll just call this match off. You know, call the Rovers game off, play it. Sorry, yeah, the Forest Green Rovers, I, I should say. Uh, call it off, play it at the start of next year. We might be in better form, they might be in worse form. But as you said, because it is a televised game, Unfortunately for Swindon, there is the, there is an obligation to play that match, no matter if we had, you know, ten players called it for international duty. This game has to be fulfilled on this date at this time, and and for Swindon, that's a that's a massive blow because we could be without, depending on who is called up for international duty, we could be without four of our regular starters, and against a team that is going guns blazing at the top of the table, 
is going to be an incredibly tough match already that's now just been made a whole lot tougher. So, you know, it's a ridiculous rule, I have to say. I, I, I don't feel that television companies, regardless of if it's the only game we're on TV for this season, should be able to dictate who we play and, and when we play, if, if we've had players call it for international duty. And it's a, it's just a very, very strange, strange, strange decision, I have to say. Yeah, inclined to agree. I, I just think about it in terms of, you know, if Sky had selected a team that was almost certain to struggle and, you know, they have a couple of international call-ups, you know, international call-ups are not a reflection of form. Um, we're after all said and done, we're not flying in League 2, but we've got five of them potentially. Um, and then they lose because they have to play a game on Sky and they go down and by a matter of a point, then you're looking at these sort of decisions where Sky <laughs> dictate our future and our form. It's, it just seems... I mean, I can understand one. The Stevenage game didn't outrage me in terms of Swindon deciding to crack on and, and play that game. I think it was Stevenage, wasn't it? Um, but if we have five out... And I honestly, I haven't looked at the pattern of when players... Because it's clear that Anthony Grant can play in this game because he's not reporting for duty until afterwards. So he, I think he, in well, he, he says he's reporting to duty on the 9th, which is the day of that game. So who knows if he's, if he's actually going to play that. But five is a lot of players. And these are players that would start, aren't they? So it just, I'm, I'm not, I can't say I'm, I'm overly happy with this. Of course, if the youth internationals are allowed to play, then it's, it's not so bad, but Jojo Wallacott missing is huge. No disrespect to Lewis Ward, but Jojo is our number one and he's shown why he's number one. Um, to lose Johnny Williams, it, it feels is huge, even though he hasn't played. It's just he has the ability to give us that 1-0 win <laughs> through his, you know, he, we're not scoring those, but he has the ability to provide that assist or provide the through ball that, that assists a, a Simpson goal or a Payne goal or a penalty for Payne. Um, and Ansi Grant, although I would say he hasn't had the greatest season so far, he's so, he, he feels, it feels safer place when he's on the pitch, you know, because he knows, he knows what's he, what he's doing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I guess my outrage is simmered until I find out what the starting lineup is. And if there's if there's four or five missing, then I'll be a lot more upset than if there's two. Yeah, I think Ben Garner will be just as outraged as what fans are as well. If he gets to this this match against the team top of the table and uh, and he's missing four or five of his of his starters, really is what I would say is that it's also more damaging because you know Swindon are going to be challenged for the playoffs this season you know well, or we at least should be and we hope we are and against a team that is currently sat in top spot yes they might be kind of starting to break away at this moment in time they're at their seven points clear of us as things stand you know a chance to kind of pull back three points and take three points off off a team above you that will be also challenged but is a massive opportunity and um it's it's just yeah, so I can't say much more on it apart from it. It's ridiculous and, and, it, and it shouldn't be the way. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get, I was going to say, I guess we'll we'll get more of an idea at the during the presser next week. But you know what managers are like. They, they like to say some people are available and it turns out 
you know, come an hour before kickoff that they're not. So, um, well, let's see, let's see what happens on that front. But it, it did seem, it does seem like a remarkable um, call that Sky Sports have that much power um, to dictate that we have to press on with a game, just, you know, dangle a bit of money in front of lower league clubs and we have to kiss the ring. It, it just seems a shame. It does. It does. Well, we are yet to be seen, but it's not looking good, put it that way. But anyway, right. Mr. Rose, yes. we're going to be going in with a win. We're going to be going yes. in on the back of a win. So there we go. Yes, let's, let's go with that. Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich, and um, have a good weekend at Bristol Rovers. I shall. It's going to rain. <laughs> Rose. Richie again. It's nicely worked. And it's chipped in. Hello, Ollie. Hello, Rich. Thank you very much for agreeing to take part going behind enemy lines to talk to me for this here instalment of the pod. Um, no, you are very welcome. I mean, you've already told me that you married into the red side of Bristol, which didn't get us off to the best of starts, but you, you said that you kind of see Rovers as the cousin that you like, but not when you see them. But uh, I'll take that, I think, yeah. That's exactly what I said, and there were no swear words in between. So, yeah. No. As a resident of Bristol, I've always sort of lean towards the rover side historically um whether that you know if my wife was to listen to this whether that would make a a rather large situation for myself i'm not entirely sure but uh (laughs) but i think i think this is not new information to her okay good (laughs) (laughs) okay um what i'd like to get people to do is just introduce yourself please ollie tell me about yourself and how long you've been a bristol rovers fan for um so i have been a rovers fan since i was about six seven years old Um, my dad started taking me along to the mem um and yeah just got hooked really went to my first away game when i was about eight or nine and that really uh made me catch the bug i guess and I've had a season ticket for maybe 10 or so of the years I've been to uni and moved away for that in between. So I've had a few gaps in my uh, supporting, I guess, but always followed from afar whenever I lived away and um, back in the area now. So I have a season ticket again this season for the first time in a while. And um, yeah, not enjoying it too much so far, to be honest, but uh, it's, it's nice to be back like it is for everyone, I guess. So, um, so yeah, massive gas head and um, hoping for things to improve this season. Did the time away uh, coincide with the non-league years? It actually didn't. Um, no, ah. funnily enough, I know, I know. No, funnily enough, the non-league season was actually probably one of my favourite ever seasons following Rovers. Um, going to all the new grounds, uh, many of which we hadn't been to before. Uh, we took huge followings everywhere, you know, sometimes outnumbering the the home fans at these grounds, not to make us sound like, you know, <laughs> Billy Big Bollocks kind of thing. But um, yeah, it, it was um, it was just a sort of novel experience, I guess. I'm sure if we'd stayed down there for more than one season, it wouldn't have had the same kind of charm in the following years. But for that one year, it was great, actually. Yeah, I, I, I saw Bristol Rovers at Forest Green Rovers that season. I think it was a 1-1 draw and there was, without doubt, loads of Bristol Rovers fans in comparison to the home 
to the home end. Yeah, yeah, no, I was at that one as well, and um, I think we went to we went to Woking and took two thousand there, and there was about six hundred locked out who who they hadn't anticipated turning up, and there was a few days like that, and it was just yeah, it was something new, and uh, the welcome you got from those clubs was amazing as well because you're bringing such a big following and it's such a big money spinner that day for those clubs, um, and they were just so so grateful to have you there really, so um, it's it was a bit different from turning up at. Um, dare I say, the likes of yourselves and Oxford, etc., where you don't get such a warm welcome sometimes. No, no, not <laughs> at all. Uh, but, but, but before we leave that era, can we just, you know, have a moment to just really just love and respect Steve Mildenhall? I could not love that bloke anymore. He's yes. He was an absolutely tremendous goalkeeper for us, um, a massive fan favourite, such a good servant to the club. And yeah, we were really gutted when he left and joined you guys, actually, really gutted. Yep. Good. Um, so that's that's that part out of the way. This this before we talk about the present season stuff, you know, this was one of the first games that a lot of people had their eye on. One because of the mild rivalry, and two because of the sort of that grudge match element with our current manager, Mister Ben Garner, who didn't have the greatest of spells at Bristol Rovers, to say the least. What what happened there with him? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to do it briefly, but basically I think he came in at a time when we were fourth in League One. Um, He took over from a manager called Graham Coughlin, who went to leave us to go to Mansfield. Graham Coughlin played a very direct, pragmatic style of football. Um, Garner came in, wanted to do the complete opposite, wanted um, us to play much more possession-based, on-the-floor stuff, wanted everyone to be comfortable on the ball. And I'd say that the squad we had assembled at that time weren't built to do what he wanted to do. And to be honest, I think that he probably tried to change too much too quickly with the squad that he he inherited. Um, he then had a transfer window over the summer, uh, shipped a lot of the old players out, brought his own players in. And... <sighs> To be honest, just a lot of the signings didn't work. Um, I think it's as simple as that, really. A lot of he didn't bring in a goal scorer. He brought in three strikers, but none of whom were proven football league goal scorers. So we went into the season looking very light in terms of goals, and that's how it proved. By the end of the season, we still hadn't recruited another striker. We still had the same three, didn't score enough goals, and that's really what saw us go down. Um, but yeah, I mean, to summarize, I think he just tried to try to do too much too fast. Um, but he he had a difficult remit because the the club were trying to go through this whole transition of bringing in younger players, um, coaching them, molding them, selling them on, kind of trying to do a bit of a Brentford Peterborough kind of model. And he was the one overseeing that. It was obviously his first job as a manager at that time as well. So there was a lot of pressure on him, a lot of different um, things he was trying to achieve at the same time. And I think it was just all a bit too much, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of fans looking back (laughs) as we sit here today probably would say maybe we should have given Garner a bit longer, um, in all honesty. But um, yeah, I mean, personally speaking, I have no hard feelings towards the bloke at all. Yeah, very well put across the board there. A few parallels that, or similarities that we're experiencing at the moment on the early stages of, I think, you know, that nurturing young players to move on is going to be very much a part of what we're going to be doing over the next few years. But, you know, I guess most significantly is the uh, the centre-forward issue where Swindon, on sort of the differences, Swindon look like we could compete with the playoff places if we had 
one more centre forward, you know, on the basis that that centre forward works as well, you know, it actually does yeah. well. But yeah, a lot of Swindon fans would would like Swindon to roll the dice on a free agent um, because we're relying too much on one player, Tyree Simpson. So interesting parallels there. So then Tisdale came in. We'll move him to the side because he wasn't there very long. And then one Joey Barton came in and he has had a, if we talk in terms of football, his his form is not much different to Ben Garner's. Um, I think he's won one more game than he did in Garner's 30-odd games, but he's lost 19. The season hasn't gone to plan so far for you guys. Again, a revolving door summer where he brought in all loads of his guys, especially from the Northwest, if I if I can recall correctly. Um, you've lost a fair few games, five in the league, I think. What, what's gone on this season? Um, I mean, as you say, there was another huge overhaul in the summer. Um, Joey binned out a load of last season's squad and wanted to... Um, put his own squad together he took over recruitment because we had a director of football last season who worked with Garner and Tisdale when they were at the club Um, so they would sort of jointly doing the recruitment alongside him but Joey has sort of moved him to one side and took sole charge of the recruitment as you say brought in a lot of players from the northwest a lot of players he'd worked with at Fleetwood in his previous role um What's gone on? I'd say that we are now, what are we, eight league games in? I'd say Rovers, or nine maybe, I'd say Rovers still look like a team of strangers um, at the moment. I think that there's, I mean, there's hopefully a lot more to come because the performances so far have been very disjointed. There's no real patterns of play. Um, he chops and changes the the defence every week so there's no sort of relationships and partnerships building back there um the one sort of caveat and um yeah the one caveat i would add maybe is that we've we've suffered a lot of injuries um so he's arguably not been able to get his best 11 out on the pitch yet i'd say every week he selects an 11 there's at least three or four first teamers missing it seems um and that will be the case again on saturday where we're missing two of our best attackers, uh, probably one of our best midfielders as well. And that's just been a little bit of a theme throughout the season, really, whether that's down to bad luck on the injury front or there's something else going on. They're looking into the training ground and the pitches there to see if there's a problem with those because we do seem to be picking up a hell of a lot of injuries at the moment, um, which is hindering performances and results, I would say. But yeah, it's it's not got off to a good start. He took us down last season. We sunk like a sunk like the Titanic really towards the end of the season, went down without a whimper. So um yeah, not off to a good start. Pressure was building. We did get a result, uh, a win against Walsall on the weekend, which has alleviated some of that pressure a little bit. But um yeah, the fan base isn't overly enamoured with him at the moment, it's got to be said. Yeah, I would have liked or preferred it if he didn't get that last gasp win at Walsall. It just perhaps could be the start of a bit of momentum for you. But how about Barton, the the, the personality? I mean, different reasons notwithstanding, you know, we had a sort of dilemma with De Canio with his politics, um, with Joey Barton, slightly different. There's the personality and then there's the much publicised issues that he's had in in the last six months or so. How has how, the fan base come to terms with that sort of publicity? I think when he was appointed, the fan base was divided instantly. You had people who 
were in one camp saying he's exactly what we need. He'll fire up the boys. You know, he's a sort of born winner. He'll just win at win at all costs. Um, and then you have people in the other camp who you look at his rap sheet throughout his career. And even when he was a manager at Fleetwood with the whole Stendhal case and you look at him and you think that's not the sort of person we want representing our football club. And I completely got both sides of the argument. Um, since then, we've obviously had the had the new court case brought against him from the summer, which happened about a week or, or broke. The story broke about a week or so before the season started, which wasn't exactly ideal preparation. Um, he's got those two court cases coming up in November and December of this year. So it's kind of a big cloud looming over the club, I would say, because our owners already come out and pretty much said that if he gets found guilty of either of those cases, then he'll be sacked. So we're kind of in a position where, although we're not doing great at the moment, almost no matter how well he does between now and those court cases, if he's found guilty of one of them, he's gone anyway. And we're then looking for another new manager, of course. So yeah, it is just a big grey cloud overhanging the club. And to be honest, I would say that the whole atmosphere and vibe around the mem is is quite toxic at times. I think on the terraces, you can sense that there's people there who are right behind the manager still and still believe in him. And there's people there who would rather almost anyone else be in charge of our football club. And it's just a, a horrible, um, yeah, a cloud overhanging the club, really. Um, and that's not going to come to a head until until those court cases. Oh, absolutely not. OK, well, well, we'll go to football now. So you said there's a few people, a few players that aren't going to make it for the Swindon game. So what do you, who do you anticipate to play and what sort of um, formation will you play? So we've chopped and changed formations a little bit, but primarily been playing a 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, so James Belshaw will be in goal because our number one, Ansi Okolo, has been injured since the start of the season. Um, back three, I imagine, will be Alfie Kilgore, Connor Taylor and Kian Harries. The midfield two, the central midfielders, will probably be Glenn Whelan and Paul Coots. Our wing-backs will be Harry Anderson on the right and Harvey Saunders on the left. And then I think the front three will be um, Anthony Evans and... Anthony Evans and maybe Aaron Collins behind Brett Pittman up top, who all your listeners will be well aware of. Oh, very much so. How's he doing? Um, I mean, <laughs> where to begin? And I'll start it by saying he will absolutely score at the weekend, regardless of what the final score is, whether you win, lose or draw, but he will score. But uh, how's he getting on? Yeah, let's hope so. I think that, um, I mean, as you all know, he is what he is at this stage of his career. He came in, looked about two stone overweight, scored two goals on his debut in a friendly. One of them was an absolute screamer against Oxford from the halfway line. Um, we were all absolutely buzzing. He then pretty much got injured instantly and missed the start of the season. Um, and he's come back the last few weeks. He scored a penalty in one of the league games, which now escapes my memory. Um, but as far as I can remember, that's his only goal in the league so far is is a penalty. Um, it was a consolation and a loss. So, yeah, he um, he also sorry, he also got two assists in the, in the game at Walsall on the weekend. So we had two corners and he knocked them both back across goal and they were tapped in by by someone else. So he's the kind of player now who 
you know, has no pace, no real mobility. In open play, he's not getting that involved in games at all. There's no link-up play involving him. I also think that's partly to do with the fact that, as I said earlier, we're looking very disjointed and there's no patterns anyway. So I'm not sure any striker would look particularly involved in our play at the moment. But yeah, I think he's a moments player now. You know, when the ball's in the box um, and it goes relatively near him, then he can do something. Uh, which is what he did twice on Saturday. His, it was almost his football brain that was faster than the Walsall defence and he managed to to turn the balls back across goal to be tapped in. But he's... I don't think the fans are loving him, but in reality, there's not many other options. So it's kind of, we have to we have to play him. I imagine he will play because there's not a lot of choice. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it was a funny one, Brett Pittman, over the summer because it seemed to be you know something that Bristol Rover fans were saying was going to happen for weeks and weeks and weeks and that really wasn't being talked about at the Swindon end you know we were aware of Bristol Rovers fans being convinced he was joining Swindon but it must have took ages to get him out of that contract I don't know what happened there but yeah he whatever happens on Saturday you know he's he's not hugely missed uh, <laughs> to be honest um even though we do need a center forward um but yeah we got exactly what we expected, and I think you're getting exactly the same with uh, with Brett. But yeah, we had a really rough season, and you know when people like Brett Pittman don't, <laughs> don't exactly um, help themselves just with their demeanour and their body language, do they? But, no, no, I fully agree. And uh, Puma kits are not forgiving on anyone, so I'm more sympathetic <laughs> when it comes to size of football shirts. To be fair, okay. <laughs> so so what's I mean? Uh, what, what can we expect in the rain? Um, this weekend is there going to be a lot of you or um, are there a few staying away at the moment I would I would say that there's people staying away Um, I mean our our away form has been absolutely horrendous I I think our win against Walsall on Saturday was our first away win and I believe it was two years Um, I may be wrong in that but it was a long time anyway and usually when we go to Walsall we will fill that whole end and there'll be some on the side as well and um, on Saturday, the end was probably 75% full and there was no one on the side. And whether that is because of our form and how, how poor we've been away from home for a long time, or whether that's because of people staying away because of Joey or a little bit of the mixture of the two, I imagine it's probably a little bit of both as these things usually are. But yeah, I mean, home attendances have been falling really since the start of the season. Um we were down to about five and a half thousand home fans in our last home game against Orient. Um, they bought a decent number, which brought the overall attendance figure up to you know something more respectable. But yeah, I mean, it is a derby. Obviously, it's Ghana's return to the Mem. Um, so I imagine that the attendance will be boosted by that a little bit, and I imagine you guys will bring a decent following too. So yeah, I mean, it should be a it should be a reasonable attendance and um, you know, I imagine the atmosphere will be lively from both sets of fans. So I'm looking forward to it. It's probably the, the game I'm looking forward to most so far this season. Um, definitely helped by the fact that we got that last minute winner at Walsall, which has kind of given everyone a little bit of a buzz back ahead of the game. But then, um, you know, these things are usually set up to for us to fall flat on our faces. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. But um, no, I did look at the weather forecast just before I came on here and it doesn't doesn't look good, does it, in that open away end. So yeah, enjoy that. Yeah, karma is a hell of a thing from a, a few years back when uh, that, that game got rained off and then Lee Power made you pay for your tickets again. What um, a lovely man he is. 
He made us pay for our tickets too, I might add. So oh, okay. The away fans. We well, that softens well, the blow so. slightly. That's it's, fine. It's slightly, if anything. Well, what an era that was. Cool. Okay, well, finally, what's your prediction? My prediction, I'm going to go for 1-1, I think. Um, I see you guys aren't particularly scoring many goals from, from your games so far this season. Um, neither are we. We're not having many shots uh on target, let alone scoring many goals. So I don't think there'll be a bucket load of goals from either side. Um, I think that we'll probably see a point as a good point building on our win on Saturday. And even though we're not doing great, I think maybe you guys would also see a point at the Mem as a as a decent point on a on a horrible rainy day. So I'm going to go for a low scoring draw, 1-1. One, one. Yeah, 1-1. One, one. It's the nice safe prediction that we all do. I'm, I'm going to make that joke every week with every opposition fan because everyone always goes for 1-1. One, one. But here's <laughs> hoping <laughs> Swindon do something. Um, Ollie, that was lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy... Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.